Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry. I'm Tracy B. Wilson. And we have a, a legitimately not sad at all story today. Hooray! Uh, hey Tracy, have you gotten in on this whole trend of adult coloring that's all the rage? I have not personally bought any of them, but I am aware of it. And one of the things that I've seen happening on the Tumblr that we have, uh, in, in the Tumblr dashboard where I see all the Tumblr stuff that we follow, mm. uh, is museum collections issuing things from their collection as coloring pages for grownups. Yeah, they did a big social media push called Color Our Collections, where a lot of them, oh, if yeah. you search that hashtag, you will find stuff all over Twitter. And they're sharing each other's collections in many cases, like they're linking to each other. But this sudden boom in coloring books and coloring products aimed at the adult market has been really fun to watch. But to me, uh, one of the most fascinating aspects of it has been watching the delight with which my friends have been purchasing new crayons to color with and, and true confession i did too no i have not bought new crayons because there is a literal drawer full of crayons directly next to me like it's, <laughs> it's, there's there are hundreds of crayons in this drawer next to me right now well it's it's funny because i have a lot of friends who are artists and um 
you know, plenty of them have really fancy pants, unicorn type art tools. But even so, a lot of them have bought new crayons to color and coloring books with, which I just find fabulous. We're attached to crayons, and the unique paraffin smell of crayons was actually once ranked number 18 on a list of 20 cents that American adults most readily recognize. That was part of a a Yale University study some years ago. And so we're talking about crayons today. And while Crayola is not the only brand of crayons, it's certainly the most ubiquitous, at least here in the U.S. So we're focusing on the Crayola story. Uh, we No shade thrown to Rosart or Dixon Ticonderoga, which makes praying crayons or any of the other companies that produce crayons. But Crayola is sort of the big one. Uh, and they have some interesting stuff. We're going to talk about how they're often they often get all the credit for inventing crayons. There were things that were similar already in existence. We're going to talk about that some. But that's the scoop. We're going to talk about uh, the Crayola story today. And so it's a little lighter. There's no big tragedies. I'm happy to report ahead of time. I hope that's not a spoiler for people. But we've had a lot of dark stuff. So yes. I thought we we might enjoy. The closest, the, yeah, the closest the, to a tragedy is that this story starts a while ago. So the people involved are deceased. But that's really like. That's not tragic so much as it's just going to no. happen. So, well, starting at the beginning, Joseph Benny was born in England on December 6th, 1836, and he moved to the United States in 1860. That same year, his sister Eliza gave birth to a son named C. Harold Smith. Uh, and in 1864, then 28-year-old Benny started a company called the Peekskill Chemical Works in Peekskill, New York. And this company produced lamp black, which is a black pigment made from soot or whale oil, and also produced hardwood charcoal for heating fuel, which was ground and packaged there in the Peekskill facility. As his company was getting off the ground, Benny was also starting a family. He and his new bride, Annie Eliza Conklin, and their, had their son, Edwin, on November 24th, 1866. They would go on to have seven more children. But uh, we're mentioning these these individual offspring because they're going to be Pretty paramount as the story goes on. So in 1880, Binney moved the corporate office of the Peekskill Chemical Works to New York City to expand the business. And at that point, he hired his nephew, C. Harold Smith, uh, the one that had been born to his sister Eliza, who was 20 at the time and went by Harold into a sales position. And while he was still a teenager, Joseph Binney's own son, Edwin Binney, also joined the business, which was then renamed the Peekskill Chemical Company. It had been Peekskill Chemical Works. Peekskill Chemical expanded their offerings to include a paint made with red iron oxide. And this was an extremely popular product. And Peekskill Chemical's red paint was used on many barns in the United States Northeast. And though Joseph had expanded his business just five years prior, in 1885, he retired. And at that point, his son, Edwin, and his nephew, Harold, who had already proven that they could work really, really well together, reformed the company as partners under the name Binney and Smith. Benny and Smith continued to grow the family business. Throughout the late 1800s, they worked on the development of carbon black. The pigment industry had been on a quest for a blacker black than lamp black for a long time, and it appeared that Benny and Smith had finally found it. So as we said, even darker than lamp black, carbon black pigment is created by burning hydrocarbons in insufficient air. So this is like the quickest and dirtiest of chemistry lessons. But hydrocarbons are organic compounds that contain only hydrogen and carbon. Common examples include methane, propane, butane, and octane. Because of an abundance of natural gas deposits in Pennsylvania found in the 1880s, Benny and Smith used that discovery to their advantage as they worked on the development of carbon black. 
And Edwin Binney held the patent for a carbon black manufacture apparatus starting in 1891. That patent number is 453140. You can still look it up, and we'll actually have a link to it in the show notes. And he wrote in his patent application, quote, The objects of my invention are to manufacture lamp black from oil in an improved and economical manner, whereby waste of the product and unnecessary expenditure of labor are avoided, and to manufacture carbon black from gas in such a manner as to obtain an improved quality of black, which will have the soft, flaky texture of lamp black and the superior color of carbon black made in the ordinary ways. We really cannot overstate how big carbon black was. Not only does it serve as a pigment, but it's also used as a strengthening filler in rubber. And it was a big part of solidifying Smith and Benny's success. In 1911 alone, B.F. Goodrich ordered one million pounds of carbon black for tire production. Eventually, carbon black would become a standard component of car tires. Yeah, uh, you may or may not have noticed when you look at old pictures that a lot of times the tires on cars were white uh, and then sometimes gray. And that was because those are before carbon black became the standard. And as the turn of the century approached, the business partner cousins were looking for new ways to expand their business even more. 1900 would prove to be a really big year for them. They opened a new mill in eastern Pennsylvania, and they began making slate school pencils there. This was actually a water mill where they were grinding the slate down. And one of the reasons for this move was a proximity to slate mines. It made it cheaper to produce these pencils as there was not as much overhead attached to the transportation of the slate. They were really close by. This move into the pencil market was a significant moment for them because it started their connection to classroom supply. That area of their business would be a long-lasting one. It goes right into today's schools, and it was lucrative as well. And in addition to the new branch of the business, uh, 1900 also featured a trip to an event that we've referenced a few times in various episodes, which is the Paris Exposition. Uh, and Binney and Smith went, and the pair entered their company's black pigments into the industrial chemistry competition at the Expo, and they won a gold medal for them. In 1902, Benny and Smith had another year of significant growth. The company started producing a product that's still made today, the stay-on-all crayon, which makes a permanent wax mark on most services and is used primarily in industrial applications. It's a simple combination of carbon black pigment along with paraffin. It replaced the company's previous product intended for industrial marking needs, which was called Eclipse Marking Ink. Yeah, that was like a liquid ink, and this just made it so much easier because people could hold it in their hands and it wouldn't fall apart and they could just be marking on packages or boxes or whatever. Production of dustless chalk also began that same year for use in classrooms. And this was created in response to teachers complaining about the steady layer of dust chalk that was created in normal use and the crumbly nature of most available chalks. So Anduseptic, which was their trade name, dustless chalk was created through an extrusion process that added I've seen it listed in quotes, weight, I don't know the actual chemistry involved, to the particles of chalk, so it made them less likely to hover in the air. And they also just stuck together better. 1902 was also the year that the company officially incorporated. At this point, it was not only producing its own pigment products, but also serving as an international distributor for other companies that produced carbon black. And we're about to get to a really pivotal year for Benny and Smith. But before that, let's pause and have a word from one of our fantastic sponsors. 
I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper... You're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day, seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if everyone's being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands in over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for 
for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. In 1903, Harold, in particular, was still talking to teachers about the needs of the classroom. He often traveled to schools to try to sell pencils and chalk, and he made a point to listen to the teachers when they spoke about what sorts of supplies they'd like to have in their classrooms. Through these discussions, Edwin and Harold realized that someone needed to create a wax crayon for students that would be affordable and safe. Now, I want to be really, really clear here. It is not as if it was a black and white world with no access to colored art supplies before this. Uh, pigment combined with beeswax and used for encaustic painting alone dates back literally thousands of years. And the word crayon has been in use all the way back to the 1600s to describe a number of different pigment impregnated writing and drawing implements. Pastels had been around and used by artists for centuries. And the Conti crayon made with clay and graphite was invented in the late 1700s. I looked up crayon in the Oxford English Dictionary while you were working on this episode and was delighted to find all the very old historical examples of the use of the word crayon in print. And some of them are like really snarky commentary on other people's drawing skills. (laughs) I was super happy about that. Wax crayons made for children are on record in the later half of the 19th century, paralleling the kindergarten movement in the United States. There were multiple companies churning out products aimed at young artists. So at the time when Edwin Binney and Harold Smith were putting together their idea for a crayon, it was not exactly the eureka moment that some histories on Crayola might suggest. Yeah, they really do tend to get all the credit for inventing crayons. And again, they they did make a really great product, but... uh they were not the first people to think about doing something like this. But the Easton, Pennsylvania Smith & Benny plant was already making stay-on-all crayons using wax and carbon black, and that was an inexpensive product both to produce and to sell. So the formula was tweaked a little bit to make colored crayons instead of the industrial black ones by mixing new pigments that were safer for children with liquid paraffin, and what's now a childhood classic was indeed born. There's also talc that was and still is in the mix for texture. What Benny and Smith crayons had that others didn't was consistency of product at a low cost. Crayons before Crayola weren't always effective at putting color on paper, which is the point of crayons. Some that were available also contained potentially dangerous chemicals. Even Benny and Smith's stay-on-all crayons, which were aimed, as we mentioned, at an industrial market, contained way too much carbon to be child-safe, plus the fact that it was meant to be a permanent mark on things not so great for children. The coloring crayons that produced vibrant shades were really marketed to artists and were priced a lot too high for elementary school use. To give the coloring implements their shape, the Binney and Smith paraffin mix that they created was poured into molds while it was still liquid. Then it was allowed to cool and solidify. Uh, that process nowadays takes between four and seven and a half minutes, uh, if my recent reading was correct. And then that resulting crayon was popped out of the mold and was 
wrapped with paper by hand at this point. The name of this new product was named Crayola by Alice Benny, who was Edwin's wife and a former schoolteacher herself. It's a portmanteau of the French word for chalk, which is cray, and the beginning of the word oleaginous, which means oily or waxy. The first boxes of Crayolas were sold both in schools and door-to-door, and the low price point, which was a nickel for a box of eight and a little bit more for larger assortments, really appealed to consumers. But the first big customer of Benny and Smith crayons was actually the U.S. government. Crayolas were bought in bulk with federal funds and sent to Native American reservations. Another gold medal at a World Expo came to Benny and Smith in 1904 in St. Louis. This time, it was the dustless chalk that earned them honors. Over the next 17 years, the company stayed in the Crayola business, but Benny and Smith continued to branch out into new products, including several pigment-loaded lines that were targeted to fine artists. They developed a paint line called Arista, the Crayola Rubens line, and a fine art crayon that could be sharpened called Permapressed also joined their catalog. The Great Depression was a rough time for the company, but not for the reasons that you might expect. In terms of finances, it survived, and it even ingratiated itself to the community surrounding the Easton plant by hiring out-of-work farmers to apply the paper wrappers to Crayola products. Yeah, that was like a great um, PR move for them, even though I don't get the vibe that they were just doing it for PR. They really were trying to help the community and give people kind of a way to, to keep their families fed and, and keep their homes going when they were really struggling otherwise. But it ended up being one of those things that people in the community talked about for a long time, and it always kind of put a halo on Benny and Smith. But early on in the Depression, uh, in 1931, Harold Smith died, and his longtime business partner and friend survived him for only three years. So Edwin Binney died in 1934. And while the loss of both of the namesake founders of Binney and Smith was undoubtedly devastating, the company was so solid and they had really, really carefully set it up to just kind of be a well-oiled machine that it not only survived, it actually thrived. While the roots of Binney and Smith Incorporated and the Peekskill Chemical Works before it were always based in pigment, another key driver was always the education market. The company founded the Crayon Watercolor and Craft Institute, along with other industry leaders, as a way to promote and ensure high safety standards and creative materials. The Crayon Watercolor and Craft Institute still exists, although it has changed names twice since it began in 1936. In the 1980s, it became the Art and Crafts Materials Institute, and then in 2000, it changed to the Art and Creative Materials Institute. And for the last seven decades, this group that was once started by the Binney and Smith Company and other partners has certified non-toxic art supply products through toxicity testing. The offerings of Benny and Smith's Crayola products grew so numerous that it became increasingly important to the company to have a line of communication to educators about their art supplies. A teacher training program was instituted in 1948 to offer teachers in school workshops to showcase the many uses and techniques for the various items in the company's collections. It was a brilliant way to sell the education market on Benny and Smith's supplies. Yeah, it's one of those things when you look at even boxes now, they usually have some tout on them that say, like, the most recommended by teachers. But I think a lot of that really just has to do with the fact that they have from almost day one just kind of ingrained themselves in the mindset of educators and, like, always kind of been there as a resource and and really fostered this relationship. 
And as Crayolas became a standard part of childhood creativity, larger and larger boxes of crayons were offered. The 48-count box hit the market in 1949, and nine years later, the 64-count box was introduced. And I remember as a kid being so enthralled with that sharpener that was built into the 64-count box. I was so excited for sharp crayons all the time. Uh, and in 1998, one of the first of those 64 count boxes with the sharpener was given to the National Museum of American History. The 1950s and 60s had many more growth milestones for Benny and Smith. In 1952, a new plant was opened in Kansas to keep up with demand. It became a publicly held company in 1961 and joined the American Stock Exchange two years later. It shifted over to the New York Stock Exchange in 1978. Almost 100 years after Joseph Binney had moved his operation to New York City, the corporate offices for Smith & Binney were moved to Forks Township in eastern Pennsylvania in 1976. In 1984, the company was purchased and became a subsidiary of Hallmark. And in 2007, Binney and Smith changed names to Crayola LLC. This is a pretty natural transition because the company had unified all of its children's products under the Crayola label in 1979. The 100 billionth Crayola crayon was produced in 1996. Two years after that, in 1998, Crayola crayons were inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame. In 2011, Edwin Binney was added to the National Inventors Hall of Fame, not for his crayons, but for his work with Carbon Black. And we are going to talk just a little bit about Crayola colors and modern crayon production. But before we do that, let's pause for a quick word from another one of our great sponsors. So we've talked about how I have found it nearly effortless to make a wedding website on Squarespace. I am actually progressing to the next step of that, which is discovering that there is limited room on the pretty wedding stationery to put things (laughs) like directions to the venue. (laughs) And so instead, I am going to be building that out some more. It is so easy. It takes so little time. It is super intuitive to make the thing look exactly what I want. So many options to choose from. So many really lovely designs to do exactly what you want them to do. Uh, and then lots of different ways to just make it look cool and personalized, even though you're working with a company that's setting it up for you in an easy-to-use interface. So you get a website that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, with no coding required intuitive. They're easy to use tools. You can get a free domain if you sign up for a year, which I did. That was awesome. And you can start your free trial today at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code history to get 10% off your first purchase. While you'll see various numbers bandied about when people mention how many different colors of Crayola crayons have been manufactured throughout the years, what that number really reflects is color names. There have been many instances where the same exact color has changed names or even been produced with two or more different names, depending on the assortment that it's packaged with. According to crayon collector and historian Ed Welter, by 2015, the company had produced 331 unique colors, but had issued crayons under 759 names. Yeah, that's a lot of name changes. So when you see any like articles that are like, they've made more than 600 colors, it's like, ah, that's not entirely correct. Uh, in 1990, Benny and Smith actually retired eight of the Crayola colors, but two consumer groups formed to protest the move. One was called the Rumps, 
or the Raw Umber and Maize Preservation Society, and the other was called Crayons, uh, the Committee to Reestablish All Your Old Norms. So clearly they were a little bit in fun, but they really were sad to see these colors go. And their chagrin at these retired colors did not go unheard by Crayola's makers, who were astute in terms of business, and they produced a special retro collection featuring the retired colors in a collectible tin for the 1990 holiday season. So they were retired. They came back the same year, but then they were officially retired. Holly, do you want to see what I just pulled out of the crayon drawer? Yes. It is the 1990 retired <laughs> box. <laughs> In 1990, Crayola retired these eight colors of the Crayola Crayon Hall of Fame. Orange, yellow, raw umber, green, blue, maize, blue, gray, orange, red, violet, blue, and lemon yellow. (laughs) I love it. I also have the tin. Fascinated. Another reason that some colors have been renamed over the years is that some of the monikers were attached to outdated cultural contexts. For example, the color once called Indian red eventually became chestnut. Crayola, though, has stated that this name was referencing the country of India, but it still changed the name. Flesh is now peach, because not everyone's flesh is that color. Really, no one's flesh is that color. Uh, And Prussian blue became midnight blue because Benny and Smith realized that children did not know what Prussia was. (laughs) Yeah, so some of them have maybe been cultural sensitivity, but others have just been that, uh, you know, the cultural... Touchstones have changed enough that people don't always recognize the 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 point of naming things for Prussia and other places. Uh, they've also had various like contests over the years where people got to name colors. And the color story of Crayola could be like 17 episodes on its own, uh, which is why I didn't get super deep into it. We could get in the weeds really, really quickly. Today, Crayola production involves a lot more automation and industrial machinery than it did in 1903. Uh, an average day at the factory requires about 17,000 gallons of paraffin wax, and the molds are filled via a tube system, and the wrappers are now applied by a machine instead of by hand. But the process itself is still pretty much the same. Several billion crayons are made by Crayola each year. They're sold in more than 80 countries with packaging in 12 languages. And Crayola has significantly diversified their product line, both through development of new products and through acquisitions over the years. For example, Silly Putty and Liquitex have been in the Binney and Smith Crayola family, although Liquitex, I believe, was sold off. Magic markers were acquired by Crayola. Like, there are so many standard kind of... uh elementary school art supplies and even art supplies aimed at an older market that you know and love that have all been up under the umbrella of Benny and Smith at some point. Yeah, I have some Crayola colored pencils in the drawer, too. Yep. The company has made washable crayons, washable markers, colored pencils, which I just said, a modeling compound called Model Magic, and another favorite, glitter crayons under the collection name Glitterati. I'm going to tell you also in the crayon drawer... Crayola Silver Swirls, which are an older version of the glittery crayons. Uh, People are going to know way too much about my crayon drawer situation now. (laughs) There have also been loads of other products. I mean, just so many. Way too many to mention everyone individually. And there have also been licensed clothes, software, toys, even house paint. There is a Crayola Christmas ornament that hangs on our Christmas tree every year. It is like... I think a mouse driving a car, but the car is made out of a box of Crayola crayons. 
I have to say, I feel almost guilty that I did this one because I had no idea you had this depth of Crayola love. Well, to be candid, I, it would not have occurred to me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that you did. <laughs> it's actually been on my list for a long time. And then I got to talking about the possibility of doing it with a friend recently. And then I was like, oh, we've had so much like kind of, you know, rough stuff that I'm going to do a very light and fun yeah. I think Crayola the, story one. I think our number of sad episodes has not been the, all that atypical lately. But the gravity of the sad episodes has been yes. particularly large. Plus, we've been in uh, winter, which is a little, you know, doldrummy. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though so far in Georgia, the winter has been fairly mild. I don't know if it will stay that way or not. It's still just been kind of, you know, overcast and meh. So I thought something colorful would be delightful for the dead yeah. of winter. We've had some snow in Boston lately, but knock on wood so far, not enough to really hamper a lot besides ca- canceling school and stuff. Do you have listener mail? I do have listener mail. This one is related to our very recent podcast on uh, the Pieta, and it comes from our listener, Alexandra. She says, Dear Holly and Tracy, I am an American artist living in Florence, Italy for about two and a half years, and I've been listening to you guys for just about that long. Your voices have been a constant in my studio while I'm painting and are an endless source of inspiration. Keep my mind busy while my hands are on autopilot. I will start off by giving you a huge thank you for all your great work. Thank you. That's so sweet to say. I'm honored that an artist would listen to us while creating things. Uh, she says, I always get super excited when you guys have topics about Europe, royal dynasties, and of course, anything Italian. However, when you guys have subjects relating to art, I just about lose my mind. This past episode about La Pietà just about tipped me over the edge as Michelangelo is one of my city's heroes. He may not be my favorite artist, but his prolific body of work is astounding. His temperament, legendary, and ideas at that time, progressive. I personally find his personal academic pursuit of human anatomy criminally exciting, as he was known to have broken into morgues in the dead of night to dissect corpses to understand how our muscles and bones fit together. I studied anatomy as well when I was in undergrad, so Michelangelo's apparent understanding of the body's mechanics mixed with the artist's eye for proportion and scale is an endless point of fascination when I visit his works. Michelangelo's version of the Pietà in the Vatican may be one of his more globally admired pieces. However, due to personal opinion and probable geographical bias, his version in Florence at the end of his very long life and career is my favorite. Many people seem to dismiss it as unfinished, but I see it as a raw interpretation of his artistic vision, unhindered by pursuit of religious interpretation without pressure from politics and patronage. Unlike La Pietà in Rome, the sculpture in Florence, uh, the marble medium is not hidden behind politics realism and can be interpreted as the earthen material that keeps man chained to the ground and the bodies that he erected from the stone as humans instinctual want to reach beauty and purity. I find this explanation in tune with Michelangelo's humanistic beliefs and societal reference as a Renaissance witness to a world recovering from years in the Middle Ages. Other similar references to the artist's unfinished work of figures fighting their way off beautiful cuts of marble can be seen at Galleria dell'Accademia in Florence. As to the mysterious figure that rises in the posterior of the sculpture, I always related it to a sort of embrace and acceptance of death. A looming yet not entirely unwelcome figure that is comparable to a few artists' works, such as Goya's black paintings, a bleaker example, that are lucky enough to have lived long enough to visually contemplate their impending end. It's a bit morbid, but at the same time, a very peaceful 
peaceful way to accept an inevitable truth. Uh, anyways, on a lighter note, I have a quick story about when my lovely Italian partner saw La Pietà in Rome as a child. Can you imagine growing up around all that history? After his little feet had been dragged all over Rome, finishing at the Vatican, he was taken to the foot of Michelangelo's work, and much to his mother's chagrin and the amusement of surrounding tourists yelled, You took me all the way here to make me see this piece of rock? <laughs> Uh, I love that story. It's so lovely, Alexandra. And she um, also sent us a link to a series of paintings that she did inspired by the Empress Sissy episode that was before uh, Tracy and I were doing episodes. And it is absolutely lovely, beautiful work. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Uh, I like getting an artist's perspective on the art that we talk about, because while I love art, I'm not creating art at that level all the time. Uh, you know, I'm stitching, but it's not the same thing. So I really, really appreciate you sharing that with us, Alexandra. Uh, if you would like to write us, you can do so at History Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. We're also at Facebook.com slash History on Twitter at History at Pinterest.com slash History at MissedInHistory.tumblr.com. And we're on Instagram at History. If you would like to research, look more deeply into what we talked about today, you can go to our parent site, HowStuffWorks. Type in the word Crayola or the word crayon in the search bar, and you're going to have so much thing, so much to entertain you throughout your day, uh, including there's a really cool video in there about modern crayon production, so you can actually see how the the Crayola plants churn out crayons now. And if you want to visit us online, you can do so at mistinhistory.com. And we have all of the episodes archived all the way back to the very beginning, way before me and Tracy were here. And you can get show notes from any of the episodes Tracy and I have worked on, as well as occasional other goodies. So visit us at howstuffworks.com and mistinhistory.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. 
Hey, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.